0: that's when you get them, right? So no matter what their background is or what they've learned or how they've been doing literacy for years, if you can just help them understand that key to making sure that the kid gets what they need to grow and they see it, you've changed the whole group of teachers. And that's the magical moment, you know, when you're as a consultant or as a principal or assistant superintendent, that's what I want to see a system do is change that trajectory for the kids that are in that system. The results, they've been immediate, and we had
1: one of the biggest shifts in the state.
2: It's it's almost magical when it all comes together, and I think to myself, this is what education is about.
1: There were inequities everywhere. My students in South Texas ultimately taught me more than I taught them. Over 40% of our students were leaving third grade with less than proficient reading skills and that was just something we had to stop.
2: The bottom line is that we can prevent reading failure. We can change the trajectory of these students' lives. And I just want to shout from the rooftops, it can be done. From Glean Education, this is Ed Leaders in Literacy, a podcast series that features educators and administrators who have made hard decisions about instruction, curriculum, intervention, and school systems to close the achievement gap and build equity by improving literacy. First, a word from our sponsors. Go ahead and state your name and title and what you enjoy about working here. My name is Alisa Van Hecken and I serve as the Chief Academic Officer for Hegarty Phonemic Awareness. And what I like most about working for Hegarty is the impact that we have on classrooms across the country, across the world, with instruction that aligns to the science
1: of reading, is engaging, and is really helping our students to be readers.
2: Hegarty's daily phonemic awareness curriculum is used by over 450 school districts nationwide. Learn how you can get started at hegarty.org. That's heggert dot O-R-G. I'm Jessica Hammond, founder of Glean Education, and on the show today is Jill Dunlap-Brown and Janice Schmidt two school leaders from Missouri who have worked together to build teacher understanding of database decision-making to improve literacy instruction. Jill Junleck-Brown has worked in education for over 22 years as a former elementary school teacher, literacy coach, consultant, principal, and assistant superintendent. During these years, she's worked with students, teachers, administrators, universities, and state departments of education to help ensure that all students learn to read and that every teacher is empowered to make certain this happens. Jill and her colleague Jana Schmidt co-authored a book, Matching Reading Data to Intervention, a Simple Tool for Elementary Educators in 2019. Janice Schmidt's career in education spans 28 years and includes working as an elementary school teacher, Title I reading interventionist, and language arts teacher. She has worked as an associate director of the College of Education at the University of Missouri, where she designed professional development and outreach efforts for superintendents, principals, school leaders, and teachers. Through the University of Missouri and Missouri Department of Education, she served as an educational consultant, providing interaction with national presenters, organizing state collaboratives, and presenting professional development to learning teams. The focus of these efforts include all aspects of literacy, systems of support, response to intervention, and the development of school leaders. Jill and Jana, welcome. I am so thrilled to talk to you today about your book and about the journey that has taken you to creating it.
1: Thank you, Jessica, for this opportunity today. We so appreciate it.
2: I'm thrilled to talk to you both. So tell me a little bit about your journey, your educational journeys, and what has led you to where you are in the consulting that you do now?
1: So about 20 years ago, we ended up uh, getting training in the science of reading, uh, including uh, from the research base of the simple view of reading, if you're familiar with that, as well as Scarborough's Rope. Um, we spent some time really looking at the National Reading Panel report and five components of reading. And so, um, and also taking some time to actually uh, be a part of the letters program uh, and be state letters trainers. So we had a lot of work in the science of reading. And so with that, and through our state efforts um, from our state department and the university, we ended up becoming state consultants. Uh, We went out to different school districts and provided professional development at those districts and um, and also worked with the state dyslexia uh, program as well. Uh, What we saw in school districts that we spent a lot of time getting assessment in place, Uh, we learned the assessment pieces first we saw what holes they had with assessment. So did they have pieces with phonological awareness with phonics, what did they do for vocabulary fluency comprehension in setting up assessment and getting teachers really good with some of those pieces. Uh, And then we worked on interventions and we found the interventions hooked to that data and looking at and seeing like, what did the systems have at that particular point? And what we found was that sometimes teachers got very good at assessment. They got very good at intervention, but sometimes they would put in the wrong intervention for the wrong piece. They couldn't connect the two accurately all the time. So we wanted to create a simple tool to actually hook the assessment pieces to those intervention pieces and make a simple tool that could help teachers do that accurately and more quickly than what they were doing in the past. So,
0: Yeah, I think um, that's that's been the key really is to put it into action, right? They have all of this great information um, and then they're kind of left with, but now what do I do? <laughs> Help me do it, you know? Um, and so as a principal and as a coach, that was always the piece that became magic um, for the teachers because every teacher wants a kid to learn and they want they want to see them improve in the, in the area of literacy. And so our tool was just kind of this piece to say, here's how you do it. Here's how you put it into action. So let's take all of these data points that you've got and let's create uh, what to do next. And then when they start to see those kids respond then that's when the magic comes alive and that's that's what's been so important to us so we did that work for years and we finally looked at each other and said we've got to write this down so every teacher can get to it you know um and a book was born so that's where it that's where it came from
2: well it's amazing and that tool is so important for teachers especially just what you said you know the now what In the steps before what comes before, how much professional development is needed to get teachers to the mindset shift that even brings them to the understanding that they need a tool like this? Can you talk a bit about the process behind teaching
1: teachers what
2: they need to know to get to that point?
1: I think it's great to have the foundation in some of those uh, science of reading pieces. So um, in knowing, Uh, about even the language pieces, the phonological pieces, the phonics pieces, the five components. Do we understand those things just as a base? And then really, it's taking an audit in that district and saying, what assessments do you currently have that fulfill those five components? Are there pieces that are already there? You don't need to necessarily take everything out and redo everything, um, but you need to see, like, what are you assessing and what are you not assessing? And then think about what needs to fill and then that's where you think about then that's where your teacher training comes in what are those pieces that teachers actually need based on that and then we can say are there interventions in place um are they reliable are they uh intervention interventions that have been proven to work well um so taking more of an audit of that and then thinking about do we need to train teachers on that and once we have those pieces in then thinking about then that's a good time for our work with the columns to come in which is our tool and thinking about how do we help teachers link those two pieces together? And so a lot of times we'll do that. Yes, we might have a training on it, but we find that that's a good training, but we really wanna get to implementation. And so we sometimes do that through the data team processes where those monthly data teams, we circle back through and talk about kids and saying, okay, how are those kids performing now? We want them to be doing really well. Where did they perform on those assessments on those pieces? What do you see in your classrooms? and then thinking about, do we need to change their instruction, do we need to change what they're doing? And so um, we continually come back to the columns through the year and keep referring to that and thinking about, do we have the assessment hooked up with the correct intervention?
0: Yeah, over time, you know, some teachers, depending on their background, they they know a lot about the foundational skills or they don't. Um, So they all come with that same love of wanting kids to achieve. And I think again, it comes from that that piece of showing them the data, and they when they start to see the data move, they want to learn more, and so then you can kind of get in there with, okay, well, here's the science of reading background, you know, so here, let me teach you more about how the phonics space works or how the phonological and phonics works together to make sure that um, those kids are becoming fluent readers, which then can lead to the understanding. That's where we want to get to. And I think once they start to see that they're hungry for more. Um, And I'm just so thrilled, you know, like Jana said, we, we were letters trained back in 2005, right? And we've been big believers of this throughout. And so to see the science of reading coming back the way it is and sweeping across all these all these states it's just so exciting because I we're finally getting to uh, back to um, what kids need and all kids need this um, you know so it, the equity of it is so important and to know that the kids are getting the pieces that are going to make them fluent readers and, and be able to access that successful life like that's why we're all doing what we're doing.
1: And I Jill mentioned too the that we really are talking about all students when we talk right. about this, not just kids in intervention. Right. And with our columns tool, particularly if I, I there's multiple tools. There's one for kindergarten. There's a couple of first grade and there's one for grades two through five and the one for grades two through five. Uh, there's four columns. And so um, To work backwards, our fourth column is for those kids that definitely need intervention. They have trouble with phonological awareness and phonics. Um, Our kids in column three have more uh, phonics types of issues. Our kids in column two have mastered phonological awareness and phonics, but they have some needs for fluency. They aren't quite fluent yet, uh, which will impact them later. But then when we get to column one, those are kids that have mastered fluency. They can get words off the page, but they really can't comprehend maybe. And so we have a portion of the bottom of that column for those kids that have trouble with comprehension, but the top of that column is really those kids that maybe are on and high, then how are we using our standards-based pieces to help meet their needs and using something more uh, that directly impacts them. So thinking about data, and sometimes we think about that in relation to our kids with intervention, which we absolutely should. We want to meet their needs, but also thinking about those kids that Um, are are at the other end of the spectrum and how are we going to meet their needs as well.
2: I love that. And I think what your columns tool does is it helps teachers become data-driven. And I like what you were talking about, Jill, in terms of when I asked you about teacher training, you said, well, the data can come first. You know, The data can sway them and then the learning can come as well. So it can go back and forth and we can keep learning and we can keep being data-driven and keep building our understanding of this. One thing that I thought was really interesting when reading your columns is that you're very clear that different age levels, different grade levels need different things at different times. So for example, the columns for kindergarten and first grade look different than the columns from third through fifth. Can you walk us uh, more directly through some of the columns and talk to us about why they're different and what target skill areas are important and kind of priorities for
1: different grades and why? So the kindergarten uh, columns are very um, skill-based in some ways because they're learning some of those basic skills when they head into uh, that grade level. We want them to be very good with phonological awareness, phonemic awareness, like we said before. So that's represented on the columns, as well as just letter uh, naming, letter sounds, uh, some of those basic um, uh, high-frequency words that we look at. So again, we're very skill-based with some of those uh, earliest grades. And then we really see, we're wanting to see that fluency with that, but then it also change into um, the actual application of those skills into text. And so by mid first grade, we're really wanting to see that base there as far as how does that child perform in relation to text. And so that's when we hear, we look at sometimes an oral reading fluency, or we look at some other things when we're using the text in that way.
0: Yeah, and I think they're, they're a good jumping off point. You know, you want your teachers in K-5 to have a full understanding because kids are going to come to them with various holes uh, in their foundational skills. And so eventually you want, I want all of my K-5 teachers to be able to identify the whole scope of how those foundational skills work together. When they're in kindergarten, it's, you know, by default, you're doing letter name, letter ID, letter sound. But I hope that my fifth grade teachers also can can say, oh, I remember that the columns go all the way back to kindergarten. Perhaps my kids need to also look at letter ID and letter sound. That can absolutely happen. And so when we're working with schools and with teachers, we're teaching them the, the The whole focus of of the columns work from letter ID all the way up to fluency and comprehension. And so it really is a system, but that can be a little overwhelming for teachers. So you start with the grade level and then you work through the concepts as you're developing their understanding of how the system works together
1: so
2: smart. And so by proxy, they get an understanding of kind of the whole picture. I've heard recently a teacher who is a second grade teacher in a district where she had, you know, a significant amount of students reading below grade level. She said, well, we won't spend time on phonics, even though they might need it because that's a first grade thing. That's a, that's a kindergarten thing. And I thought, well, no, if they're reading below grade level, it's a, it's a second grade thing or a fifth grade thing or a 12th grade thing. So I think that that's, one of the huge assets of your tool. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about what assessment they are looking at to make these decisions. Are they Dibble's assessments? Can they be others assessments? So talk a little bit about um, what kind of assessments
1: help create the decisions that go into the columns. Yeah. So we, we wanna have some sort of a screener that gives that quick check on those component areas. And so that could be a dibbles or an Ames Web Plus or something that's like that, that does that quick check. We also wanna have classroom diagnostics where we particularly drill down to where a student performs within that scope and sequence of skills. So there might be a phonic survey or something like that that goes through and looks at where students start from that very first uh, consonant, vowel, consonant type of sound all the way in through multisyllabic uh, types of sounds in words. Um, it could also be a phonological awareness survey where we start and we say, okay, what about just basic phonological skills where it's onset and rhyme, syllables, those types of things. But it carries on into those phonemic awareness skills like deletion, substitution. So how does students perform that? We need to pinpoint that so that we can pinpoint their intervention and make sure that it's hooked up correctly. Because sometimes that's where sometimes teachers will, take a, just a screener or any other assessment and say, oh, I think they're low on phonics. And they sometimes will put them in a phonics intervention, but we want to make sure teachers know how to accurately hit the correct skill along that scope and sequence.
0: Yeah. We, we were also thoughtful with the tool, knowing not everyone's going to have the same screener. So we really concentrated on that percentile rank. And we did that with the intention of ensuring that even if the screener was not exactly the one we'd hope they'd use, they would have those next steps. And so you're still going to have to assess the children on uh, some kind of phonic screener or some kind of phonological. So you're still, no matter where you started, going to get to that base foundational skill that's missing. And that was really our hope. And so, you know, we've used various systems over the years and, and have our go-tos. But as long as the schools get to the starting point and they know where to go next, they're going to be led to the intervention that is that is matched to that foundational skill that's missing. And that was our goal. And I, I think it.
1: we picked that up from just the, um, the di- different districts that we actually did consulting with. Yeah. And as we went into different districts, they had different assessments in place already. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where we had to do kind of that that auditive assessment and saying what's in place, but also then could we add these pieces in to help you or do we need to change completely to make sure that you've got some of those systems in so our IMD of the columns was that you would be able to change up those assessments at the tops of the columns depending on the one you have so if you had a doubles or an aims web or then you could you could put that in but then also think, or sometimes the phonics screener or phonological survey might be a little different. So for, if you, you know, there's several out there that are good. And so whichever one you had, you'd be able to put into the columns to be able to make that work.
2: I love that because it takes into account the realities of what's in a school Uh and doesn't make assumptions for Uh what they should take on. Um, Uh So that, that makes it so incredibly useful and in the work you're doing also, you solve a problem that exists where sometimes teachers feel that they are data based if they, in their instruction, if they are doing benchmark testing, but really the columns asks you to also consider progress monitoring and then t- skill target mm-hmm. monitoring so that yes. you really understand that your instruction is right. aimed at what it should be. Right. So tell me a little bit more about some reactions to working with schools with the columns. How is it taken and what do you see from teachers that are actually using it?
1: Yeah. So we've had some very positive experiences like I, like we've said we've done this for 20 years in school districts and we have a lot of different teachers in from our smallest districts to to our largest districts in Missouri we've worked with with everything in between so But we have some very positive experiences with that. And one of the things that we love to see is when once the systems are in place, that, you know, it's great to go into a data team and see the data go up for these kids and see that they're starting to respond. And I think that's when teachers see that positive aspect in the data. They get so excited about it. And so and they feel good about what they've done. The kid is growing. They are growing in their own knowledge and their understanding of the implementation. So from our experiences, I would say that the growth in that data is huge. In the book, you'll see some, what we would call columns cases, and we've changed the name and we've made them kind of generic, but the columns cases were actually based on real students. And so the students that we just in various districts that we went to where they made great growth and they became you know, readers. And so, and the impact on their life later in far as their ability to read as they go into adulthood is just exciting. So.
0: One of my favorite stories was as a principal when I came in and I was helping, they had an RTI system in place, but it was one of those, um, they were at a stage where they were doing some data, and they were all sitting around a table. And then they would say, "Okay, I'm going to take this intervention, and I'm going to take this intervention." So they had the right idea, but they just didn't have it matched right, right? And so I was I was coming in as new principal, and we were walking through it. And I said, "You know, let's look at it this way." And we started to break it down. And I handed them something, and I said, "Just try this, because at that point you're tr- you just want them to to do something that's going to lead them down a path, right?" And so I handed the teacher the sound partners lesson. And I said, try this, just try it with this kid. And she did. And she came back to me a few weeks later and she goes, you know, I've done a lot of PD and a lot of data analysis over the years. And I've never had anyone be able to just hand me something and say, try this. And it worked. She, she was just so excited that she had, she felt like she had found the key. You know? She said, I've been doing this for a long time, but I actually feel like I got the right thing in front of the child and it made such a difference. And to this day, that teacher texts me data analysis <laughs> that she's doing with her kids and she just loves to see them grow. And I think that's when you get them, right? So no matter what their background is or what they've learned or how they've been doing literacy for years, if you can just help them understand that key to making sure that the kid gets what they need to grow and they see it, you've changed the whole group of teachers. And that's the magical moment, you know, when you're as a consultant or as a principal or an assistant superintendent, that's what I wanna see a system do is change that trajectory for the kids that are in that system.
1: what really is great about it is that in working with the state and many literacy coaches across the state we've seen those literacy coaches become principals and assistant superintendents and so therefore after those teachers if they've actually learned it while they're there with kids and they put it in place uh, as they go through their careers and they take other roles then they they impact other people within other districts and it's amazing how that spreads And, and Jill's right. I had a, a literacy coach come to me the other day and said, look at this data. Mm -hmm. And so, and it was great to be able to see because from the beginning to the year, to the end of the year, even in a pandemic year, they were excited about being able to implement some of these things and Mm -hmm. still see that growth.
0: Yeah
2: so exciting and you touched upon one major barrier which is curriculum and materials so i think i think you solved a problem there by giving her something she could teach with so talk to me a little bit about kind of that third rung where you have you know you have the learning of the teacher and then you have the the data that's that's kind of in the, the assessment data that's driven by the columns and then where you head in the book to talk about curriculum and what they have to choose from how you and how you talk about that Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i think you know every district has different things and money is a great thing but it also sometimes leads to just buying a bunch of stuff and i think what happens at times is that they're not sure what that stuff is for and so it, it does take some time to figure out what is in a district and then what holes it fills. So one thing that our columns does for teachers or for larger schools or districts is to say, here's what you're looking for specifically. So if you have some programs that do uh, letter sound correspondence, that's phonics, put it here. If you have some things that does fluency it, that goes in column two, put it here. And so it kind of helps them designate out what they have, what they don't have. And they can find holes that perhaps they they need to fill, or they can do some analysis of the programming that they do have. Is this leading us in the direction that we want to go? Or do we need to review the curriculum materials that we've got? Um, And so those are powerful discussions. And I think just getting it sorted and figuring out what they have and what they don't have is a big step for, for many schools and districts to do. And we hope that the tool we've created helps them do that.
2: And you do have some good suggestions as well in the book for kind of evidence-based ideas to support that. So that's really helpful too. Yes. So what do you, Jill and Jana, have planned next with this really important work?
1: So I think one thing too is looking at our principals and our superintendents as well and thinking about first some work with them. I think when we talk about this, we talk about it in relation to uh, teachers, but it's also those groups getting more. So as we move forward, it's working with groups of teachers, with districts, with the implementation implementation of this within various, various districts and places and getting that understanding built within all groups from administrators to superintendents, principals to teachers.
0: Yeah, it takes a lot, especially at a district level in a larger district, it takes a lot to implement and implementation is is also a research focus for me and if there's one piece missing out of it you're not going to get to sustainability and if you don't get to sustainability, you're not over time going to make the biggest impact. And so I think that there are, a, there are a lot of pieces that have to go in place in order to make the entire system work. Um, and that's the work we love to do. So we love working with teachers to teach them how to make sure that those kids have what they, what they need. But we also love working at the district level to say, here's how the larger system has to play out. And no one has extra people around, right? And so it's also utilizing the people that you do have in the best positions that you can get them into to make sure that you're supported throughout. So whether that's a coaching position or a teaching position or your principals and how they're helping each other, all of that has to be coalescing together in order to create something that's really going to sustain over time.
2: Well, Jill and Jana, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And I really appreciate all the work that you're doing and can't wait to keep following the work you continue to do.
0: Thank
1: you so much for having me. Thank you so much.
2: Did you like hearing about Jill Dunlap-Brown and Jana Smith's work on the columns? You can find their book, Matching Reading Data to Interventions, on amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to our Ed Leaders in Literacy podcast. To find links to the articles and resources mentioned in this podcast, go to gleaneducation.com backslash edleaderspodcast and access them in the show notes. Bye for now. This episode was edited and produced by Nita Sharice.